Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I'm guessing that if you are uh, older than about 20 years old, you've probably been in a spot where you've had a job that you, you didn't really like a whole lot, where it was a little bit beneath you. Um, the one that comes to my mind for me when I, when I think about that is uh, I was in my, I think it was my sophomore year of college, and I needed to get some spending money just because, you know, you got to buy Papa John's pizza and stuff when you're in, in college. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get a little bit of a job. And so I, I went to the cafeteria, and I got a job at the cafeteria. But here's the thing. I didn't want people to know I was working in the cafeteria, so I got the worst job at the cafeteria possible. I became a dishwasher. And I don't know if you've ever been in the cafeteria dishwashing area at a college. Now, see, the problem is, is they've got spaghetti bar every single night at dinner. And the problem with the spaghetti bar is spaghetti, I love spaghetti. It smells great until you put it in the dishwashing area. And spaghetti sauce smells like the worst thing that you've ever imagined could smell. And then you couple it with things like, like milk and bananas and fruity pebbles and other meat and it, it's like the worst conglomeration of smell that is known to man. And so I'd be back there, I'd be, I'd be doing these dishes, and I'd be thinking to myself, well, at least nobody sees me back here. But then I'd be gagging while I'd be saying that to myself, because I literally, I couldn't stand the smell one bit. Um, I'll be honest with you, like, that job to me, it, was, it, was, it seemed like it was insignificant, and it was beneath me. And I, I did it like four times, and I was done. And then I went and I worked as an usher at the Target Center where the Timberwolves play basketball. That was more up my alley. I liked that better. Um, but we've all, we've all got those jobs that we look at and we're like, yeah, that seems a little bit insignificant. And dishwashing is one of those things probably for a lot. If, if you're a parent and you try to get your kids doing dishes at home, you've been in that spot before where you're like, no, you do the dishes now or you're not going to have a home to live. Uh, it's hard to get kids to want to do this. Um, and actually, there's a, a pastor from Germany during World War II. You might know his name, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He actually, uh, before the war, he had some seminaries where these kids would come and they would do their schooling. And they'd become pastors uh, as, they, as they did all the, the seminary school. And he wanted to get these young people to understand what it looked like to serve. And so one time while he was... He was trying to make a point. This is what his biography says. Early on, at one of the seminaries, Bonhoeffer asked for help in the kitchen. There were no immediate volunteers, so Bonhoeffer locked the door and began to wash the dishes. When others tried to come in to help, he wouldn't unlock the door. He never mentioned a word about it, but the point was made. He wanted to transmit the same culture of selflessness here that had been practiced in his home as a child. Selfishness, laziness, self-pity, poor sportsmanship, and the like were not tolerated. He made that legacy of his upbringing a part of these seminaries. I love the attitude there that, that Bonhoeffer took to that. And I imagine that that made an impression on, on each of those young people. That there is not a job too insignificant. That, that this guy who's leading this seminary, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was just an amazing pastor. And he's willing to do this thing um, and they're starting to see it, probably, that nothing is too insignificant. And the crazy thing is, if, if you took most of the, the big companies in the world, a lot of the big companies probably could get by for a day or more without a CEO even entering the building. In fact, there's probably a lot of companies where that happens. But if you took away the custodial staff for a day, 
you know that people would stop coming into those businesses. The things that we sometimes see as, as more significant and the things that are insignificant, um, it's actually kind of flipped on its head. And so today what we're doing is we're continuing this seemingly insignificant series, talking through the characters of the Christmas story. And the group of people that we're going to talk about today, they had a job that was seemingly insignificant, that the people around them in, the, in their day would have looked at and said, oh, that's, not only is that job nothing, but they're nothing. But I think what's outstanding about this story is that we start to see that no matter how insignificant this group of people was, the role that God had given them was not insignificant. And I think you're going to see that as, as we talk through this, the same thing for us. No matter how, how much we might feel insignificant at times, the role that God has given us each to play is absolutely significant. So we're going to look at this in, in Luke chapter 2. Uh, starting in verse 8, we're going to read through verse 20. So it's a little bit of a longer passage, so you can follow it on the screen. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now Bethlehem is a town about five or six miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh, and this, this passage said that these shepherds, they were just outside of this little town, Bethlehem, uh, and they were tending to these sheep. Now, for me, growing up in church, I always had a really positive view of shepherds. Shepherds always seemed in the Bible to, to come out good in the story. Uh, you got King David, the second king of Israel. He started off as a shepherd, and while he was a shepherd tending to those sheep, he was, he was taking slingshots, and he was, he was slinging rocks at, at trees and learning how to hit things precisely, and so finally one day he ended up killing the giant Goliath. And so I'm looking at that, and, and, and also he was sitting there writing poetry that we see as we read as our psalms now. And so I look at that, and I'm like, that shepherd was pretty awesome. Jesus is called our great shepherd. I don't know about you, but I like Jesus. He's pretty awesome. And so I'm like, well, shepherds are really great. They're, they're like some of the best characters in the Bible. The truth in Jesus' day is not quite that. Why wouldn't we think that shepherds were awesome? It's because they weren't. They were not considered great at all. In fact, they were actually about the bottom of the social ladder. Maybe tax collectors were a little bit lower. I don't know. Um, they were usually uneducated, unskilled, they were even viewed as dishonest and unreliable to the point that they were not even allowed usually to go and testify in a, court, in a courtroom because people just didn't trust them. And then on top of that, sheep being the not very bright animals that they were, they tended to need seven days of care. 
Seven days a week, they needed to have shepherds watching them. And so that meant that shepherds also were working day in and day out, which meant that they did not observe the Sabbath, which meant that they were ceremonially unclean. And so in that day, that meant a lot of Jewish people, they just didn't even want to be around these shepherds. One of the crazy things about this, though, is uh, in this place between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, the sheep that were, were out in the fields between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, they often were the sheep that were used as sacrifices in the temple. And so you've got these, these shepherds who, they are ceremonially unclean. They're not allowed to go themselves to the temple, yet they are raising the sheep that are actually going to be used in the temple for the sacrifices. Now, I don't know what that necessarily means to you, but I think about that and I'm like, man, I wonder how often I look at people's jobs and I think, insignificant. Yet the thing that they do, I, I want to make sure they do it really well to provide for me the way that I need. You, know, you think about going to a restaurant and I wonder if there's anybody in this room who's ever treated a waitress or a waiter poorly. Some of you think about it when you go out to eat after, after lunch today. Let's, let's treat the waiters and waitresses well. Because um, here's the thing. We, we expect them to be perfect. We may, we may, and we look down on them sometimes when they mess up. Um, but we want them to get it exactly right for us. Just like kind of with the, the shepherds were treated. Think about your garbage man. I'm telling you what, holiday season bugs me because what happens is I put, I put my stuff out on the road and I expect it to get taken out and I forget that that holiday means that they're coming one day later. And it drives me nuts. I get annoyed. And then Christmas Day comes and you know that you're going to have about a million boxes in your recycling bin. And you know that it's not going to come for two weeks because that's just the way that Christmas is going to fall. And you're going to have that stuff just piling up. And so do you get, do you get mad at the, at the garbage man just because of the schedule that they keep even? How do we treat people with the jobs that we just want them to take care of it for us um, and we don't think about them as people? With all the people in the world, why would anyone think that it was the shepherds that we're going to be the first to, to get this announcement of baby Jesus. This is, a, this is a huge announcement. In our world, we would expect a huge announcement to be rolled out from a highly educated or a somehow highly advanced person. I was thinking about when, when COVID got, got announced to the world. They needed a, a, a very scientific, a highly educated doctor to come out and tell the world, like, hey, we've got this, this bad disease and, and bad stuff's going to happen. Because... If they'd have put me on the news, and I'd be like, hey, guys, it sounds like it's bad. <laughs> um, we should be careful. Nobody would have done anything. It would have just been like, I don't know who this guy is. He seems crazy. When I hear people talk about UFOs, most of the time when people start talking about UFOs, and right away I'm like, okay, just get, get them their meds. Like, that's, that's not normal. But if a highly educated professor from an Ivy League school were to start talking to me about, well, we're pretty sure that there's UFOs and that they are driven by aliens. I'd be like, hmm, sounds awesome. If the president got on television, he's like, hey, we've got live aliens at Area 51 and we're going to show them on television to you tonight. I'd be like, I don't trust many politicians, but that sounds awesome. Love it. Let's do it. You see, God sees qualification much differently in his kingdom than we do in our kingdoms. God qualifies people 
in ways that we don't always think about people being qualified. And God qualified these shepherds to be the ones that were going to hear this epic announcement that was made about God coming into the world as man in this form of baby Jesus. God is willing to tell anyone he wants to tell about the things in his kingdom. And he gives people qualification they don't have on their own to carry that message to other people. God qualifies us to hear his good news. It doesn't matter that these people were, were lowly shepherds out in a field that nobody cared about them. God wanted them to be the first to hear about the birth of Jesus. And so what he did was he qualified them to be worthy of being the first to hear about this. You see, God actually has a way of telling some of the most important things in history to people that the rest of the world would look at and be like, you don't have any value. God has a way of, of, of bringing out amazing things through lowly people, and I think it's to, to humble the otherwise not lowly people. 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29, Paul writes this, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. If we're sitting around and we're thinking, why, why in the world would God speak this first to the shepherds? Why would he, why would he tell this earth-shattering news to the shepherds first? If, if we're wondering that question, then the truth is, is we maybe actually don't understand the way that God actually works a lot of the time. If you're ever wondering, why would God ever use me as a person? I'm not qualified in any kind of way for God to use me then the truth is, is we maybe don't really understand who God is at his very core. God does the unexpected thing so often that him doing the unexpected thing should almost be our expectation of him. Sounds like a little bit of a tongue twister, but I said it. We should expect God to do the unexpected things, which means that we should expect every single day that God is trying to use me in any way that he wants to use me. If you've ever been humbled by a child, you know, what, you know what this means for God to use the lowly to shame the wise. Um, I, I talked about this uh, maybe a couple months ago. My, my daughters were fighting one day. They were getting upset at each other. And one of, the, one of my girls was like, why are you guys so mean to me? And I chimed in. I'm like, yeah, girls, you're really mean. Stop it. And then my oldest daughter was like, dad, you're the one that's really mean. You stop. And I was like, you're actually really right. I've been mean today. And it's not a fun feeling to have your child do that to you. But as a parent, there have been tons of times where my children have absolutely shamed me for the way that I've been acting. Now, I want you to imagine that you are a religious leader around this time where Jesus is born. You're a religious leader and, and you absolutely think highly of yourself. You, you believe that you follow all the rules the way that God expects you to follow the rules. All the Old Testament rules, you, you have kept them to a T. And... Because of that, you're like, I'm, I'm pretty great. I'm awesome. That's the way that you would have thought of yourself as a religious leader. And now I want you to imagine that a shepherd, a shepherd who is at the low end of the social ladder, an uneducated fool who is only good enough to literally take care of the dumbest animals that have ever lived on the face of the earth. And that kind of person is coming to you and saying, God has spoken to us and shown us that he has come into the world as a baby. Think about how you would re react to that. As a religious leader 
who thinks very lowly of these lowly shepherds. I'm telling you, I don't think you'd take it very well. And some of you, you're like, oh, I'm sure that I would have listened. No, you wouldn't. And I don't think many other people wanted to listen to the shepherds either, at least those high religious leaders. Here's something beautiful that we see in this story, I think, and it's a truth that I think each of us can take with us today. God values you enough to let you in on the most important truths and secrets regarding his kingdom. He lets us in on the most important truths and secrets that, that, are, that we could ever need to know about. I want you to think about your own government for a minute. Do you think your government lets you in on all the secrets? I don't think so. I'm telling you, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I would love to know the real story behind JFK. Just saying. If it's, if it's what we think, great. Otherwise, there, I think there's uh, one of the movies, I think it was National Treasure 2. They talked about this little book that the president has that tells all the secrets of our nation's history. If that book exists, I want to see it. And I think every single one of you want to see it too. That's why I love those movies, National Treasure movies. They're great. Our world doesn't trust us with all the secrets. Unless you're like the, that special, important, highly educated person. But God has already given us this book of his. The little book with all the secrets is not so little. It takes a long time to read. Uh, but he has given us God's word. He has given us the good news about who Jesus actually is. That, that Jesus came into this world. God becoming man. So that he could take care of the sin that all of us have been guilty of living all of our lives. That we could be freed of our sin. That we could be forgiven. That we could not only have our sin taken care of, but that... Jesus would also live a righteous life and now our, our sin would be put on him and his righteousness would be put on us when he died on the cross for us. He wants us to know that as plain and as ordinary as we are, we're no different than the shepherds, that God is giving us this good news. And there's a purpose for why he's given us this good news. He entrusts you with the best news ever. And it's funny, sometimes, um, as a pastor, sometimes people will treat pastors like we have a special in with God that other people don't. And I'm just telling you if, you, if you hung around me all day long, every day, you'd be like, that's not true. It's not true at all. If you walked in here for the first time, this is the first time that you've ever been in a church service before in your entire life, I still don't have more of an in with God than what you have. God has given himself over to every single one of us all God cares about is that every single person who ever has come into this world that they would have a chance to know who Jesus is that is the thing that God cares about more than anything else it is what his mind is constantly bent towards us getting to know Jesus and I say this, no matter who you are, God is as excited about you having the opportunity to hear that good news as he is anybody else in the world. And I would say this, maybe God, I don't know, maybe God even works a little bit extra hard sometimes at, at the people who are seen as the lowly, as the least than. The Bible's pretty full of some stuff where it, it looks like God really wants to make sure that the ordinary person has a chance. Now you see it in things like James 1.27. Uh, James writes, religion that our God, our, our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. See, God desperately cares about the little guy. God desperately also cares about this not-so-little guy. He cares about absolutely every one of us. 
And compared to God, we all are the little guy. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much of a celebrity in this world that you actually have. God actually cares about us. We are all the shepherd in the field that night that the angels came. We're all people who are coming from humble means. See, I think one of the greatest tragedies in the world is when followers of Jesus begin to think somewhere in our minds that we are more worthy of the good news than somebody else is. I think some of the worst things that happen, whether it comes to... um, the church world or how we treat people as Christians is when we start to think that some way, in some way, shape, or form, we are deserving of getting this good news more than the other people around us. Nothing could be sadder than, than that happening. And the Pharisees, they ignored people like the shepherds. They would not have thought, these religious leaders would not have thought that these shepherds had anything to give to them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to remind yourself every day that God loves the lowly and that you are one of those lowly people who are greatly loved. As a really good thing for us to put through our minds every single day. God loves the lowly and thank God I am one of them. Why is it important for us to think about ourselves like this way? Because if you see yourself as lonely, you'll actually have empathy for that kid who can't do anything but get in trouble, and they're in trouble all the time, and they act out in ways that that you can never imagine yourself acting out. When you see yourself as lonely, you actually see yourself as that kid. You can have a little empathy for that kid. Because when you see yourself as as lowly, you will have compassion for the mother who can't make ends meet, and the only person she has to turn to right now is you. Because when you see yourself as the lowly, you will be able to respond with kindness to the person who is trying to demean you. Instead of feeling like you've got to raise your voice to show, to show your power, instead you can let the kindness of God show, show your actual power. You can let his kindness, his power work through you if you see yourself as the lowly, that you don't have to stand up for yourself. Because when you see yourself as the lowly, you will see your, your next door neighbor as a person who is just as deserving of hearing the good news of Jesus this year as you were whenever you heard it. It's when we see ourselves as lowly that God is able to now work through us. Even though the shepherds, I'm sure, saw themselves as lowly, they didn't didn't act in this story like they were just nothing. Maybe before before the angels came, they were kind of just acting like they were nothing. But I'll tell you, once, once the angels came and once they saw Jesus face to face, something changed in them. See, remembering your low status will actually excite you to tell others about Jesus more because you know your desperate need for him more than those who consider themselves great. I want to know my desperate need for Jesus because when I know my desperate need for Jesus, it, it instills a passion in me for other people to know him. I want you to listen to what, what happened with the shepherds after they met baby Jesus. Luke 2, 16 through 18. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Is it not amazing the confidence that we see right there from the shepherds? These are guys, when they would walk into a room, nobody would turn around and look at them. In fact, if anything, if they walked into a room, everybody was going to file out because they were ceremonially unclean. They weren't going to listen to these guys. But they, they now are walking with a confidence. And the 
passage is saying they went and they told everybody about this Jesus that they met. And the crazy thing is, they're telling everybody about a baby. We think about it in like, okay, it's one thing to tell everybody about Jesus who, who lived his whole life and, and he lived perfectly and then he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. I can tell people about that. All they had was the baby to talk about. And they're going around, they're telling everybody, you've got to meet this baby. God is doing something crazy here. The question is, why do we sometimes, maybe all the time, why do we struggle to tell people about Jesus? Is it a confidence thing? Is it because we don't feel like we're educated enough? I, I tell you, I, I come across a lot of people that they'll say, I just don't, I just don't know the Bible enough. I don't know all this stuff enough. Just tell people your story. Tell people what God has done in your life. And if you don't know right now what God has done in your life, figure it out. Go home today, journal it. Say, okay, God, what, what have you actually done in me that I can share with somebody else that can, that can show them the good news? Maybe I don't know the Bible enough, but what have you done in me? Because that's what, that's what these shepherds were doing. They were telling everybody in that community, here's what God has just done. Maybe we don't have enough confidence because we're afraid of, of telling people somebody about Jesus and then uh, how, how are they going to think about me when that happens? Again, if we think of ourselves as lowly, like these shepherds obviously thought of themselves because everybody told them they were lowly, if we think of ourselves as lowly, now we don't have anything that we've got to hold ourselves up to. It's okay if we tell people about Jesus and they maybe don't respond super well to it. Thinking of ourselves as lonely actually gives us confidence to share Jesus. Or do you struggle to tell people about Jesus because you do not have the passion that you see in these shepherds after they met baby Jesus? I can't tell you how much I love saying the name baby Jesus. I don't know what it is about that term. I just, I get, I, I like smile when I say it. So I'm trying to say it as much as often today as I can. But they meet Jesus and something, something has just changed in these guys. They met him in a manger and they walk out and the Bible says that they now are going around telling everybody. And then when they get back to their fields, they are glorifying and praising God. They weren't doing that, it didn't look like, before these angels had come. Something had absolutely changed, and it was about passion. They had a passion for what God had just done in their lives, bringing Jesus into their lives. Jesus is for everyone. He is for you, the lowly. He is for the celebrity who is also the lowly, whether they think it or not. He is for your neighbor who is also the lowly. He is for every single one of us. And we have passion for things that we know that we need. I love how Tim Keller, I was listening to one of his sermons and he put it like this. We, we have a passion for things that we know that we need. We have a passion for gifts that we're given that we know that we need. Um, if, there's, if there's somebody who, uh, say you got this young man, he's trying to play football. And he's a skinny, scrawny little dude and he's trying to gain weight so he can be better on the football field. And for Christmas, you wrap up a book and it's a book on dieting. And he opens up that book. How's he going to react? He ain't going to be happy. He's just going to set it on the side and he's going to be like, okay, what's the next present? He ain't going to care. But if you give that same book to somebody who's wanting to lose weight, they're going to take it and they're going to, they're going to read it. They're going to get passionate about it. They might start to, to live out what's in that book. If you give Rogaine to somebody who has a full head of hair for Christmas, it ain't going to mean anything to them. But if you give Rogaine to a person who needs it because they're kind of bald, they're going to take it and they might run, they might run right to the bathroom and start using that thing. 
you get passionate for the things that you know that you need. The question is, do we know, are we passionate about our need for Jesus? And are we passionate about other people's need for Jesus? If we're living without passion for others knowing the name of Jesus, we really got to ask ourselves, am I living in, in this constant awareness of how much in need I am of Jesus? Do you believe that the whole world is in opposition to God? Do you believe that there are people out there living in hostility to God right now? And when you begin to believe that, what happens is, is there's, there's a passion that can start to take over your heart. It, is, it becomes hard to walk away from a moment where we can share Jesus with somebody when that passion is there. Uh, something happened this last week. We had our, our, our foster family Christmas party here last Sunday evening. And we had, uh, we had like 70, 80 people uh, in, in foster families here for a meal and they were playing games and they were doing all kinds of stuff. It was fun. But I'm gonna be honest with you. When we have those kinds of events, um, a, a lot of people there probably knew I was a pastor because I actually got up, I gave a welcome and I talked to them a little bit. And, but when we have those events, I don't really love to use those times to invite people to church. Here's the reason. I don't want to, to come off as one of those things like, hey, we're, we're doing this nice thing for you at church. Now come and, and make our church bigger. I don't want it to come across like that. And so a lot of time, the whole night, I was just kind of walking around and I'd sit at a table and I'd, I'd just connect with the family, talk to them, get to know them a little bit. And then there was one family that I went and sat and talked to them. Uh, young man and his wife and uh, they had a, I think 11 year old with them and I sat down I was talking and as I'm talking with them that passion that we're talking about started to well up in me not a passion of man I, I'd like these three to come to church so I can put three more on the attendance number on Sunday morning not that at all it was this these people are loved by God in a special unique way and I don't know if they actually know it I want them to know the love of Jesus the way that I've been blessed to know the love of Jesus. And so, and I even said to him, like, hey guys, I don't do this very often. I don't like to do this and make you guys think that this event's just so you, I can invite you to church, but it'd be awesome if you come to church. And, I, and they were like, hey, that's really cool. We're gonna think about that. But how often do you live with that passion inside of you? Is that passion there of, I absolutely need this Jesus who came into the world for me. And not only do I need it, but my neighbor next door needs it. The kid that I see every day, who I don't know if they've ever been to church in their whole life, I know they need it. Is that passion living and burning inside of you? See, the shepherds show us the most significant role that we have in this life, and it's this. Our most significant role in this life is declaring the good news about Jesus to anyone who will listen. Isaiah 52, seven says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. I wish we would all have that passion to declare the good news of Jesus. Here's the thing, I don't think that we can just get this passion on our own. If, you are, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever had that passion, we can ask God for it. We were just talking in our huddle this morning about one of the passages. Jesus says, come and knock on the door and I'm going to give it to you. 
And I'm telling you what, if you don't think that God will give you the passion that he wants you to have to let other people know about Jesus, you don't know who Jesus is. He is going to give you that passion if you ask for it. And it may not feel like you have it all the time, but in the moment where you need that passion so that you have the courage and the confidence to share passionately with somebody who needs to know Jesus, he is gonna give that to you. And so that's what I want us to do today. I want us to, I want us to take a moment and ask God to give us that passion. Do you know every single day that you are lowly and yet you are loved greatly? Do you have a passion for the people around you that you wanna also know? that Jesus loves them. I wanna say this before I'm done. My job, I think, as a pastor is not to always tell you, here's the moral and ethical rights and wrongs of what you're supposed to do. Look at, look at this passage, here's how you're supposed to live. I think my job is to show you Jesus in a better light so that you have a better passion for Jesus. I think my job as a parent every day is to show my kids who Jesus is a little bit more so that they have a little bit more passion for Jesus. I want you to really consider where is that passion in your life today? When the shepherds went to Jesus and they saw him, it says that they saw him when he was in this manger. He was a tiny little baby. And after they saw him, they walked away changed. They were excited. They were praising God. They were telling everybody about it. Maybe you never see yourself having that kind of passion for Jesus. But I think if we ask God to change our hearts just a little bit, he can change our hearts and give us that passion. And when that passion starts to take over our hearts, something else happens. I don't have to tell you all the moral and ethical things of the way you're supposed to live because as that passion for Jesus is working and living in us, we start to live more the way that Jesus has called us to live. The first thing is, how do I fall more in love with Jesus? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.